Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And if you sign up now, you do get a bonus episode. Um, every week where I do like a weekly roundup. And right now we're covering the Falcon and the winter soldier. In fact, this weekend, or actually by the time you hear this will be almost to the last episode. So if you want to hear me talk to a guest about that show, we also covered WandaVision. We covered the Mandalorian. So like stuff that's mainly on TV that doesn't fit in the movie uh, genre, you can go ahead over there. And for as little as a dollar a month, you get to listen to it. Um, I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons. They are Chris Balga, Jeff Whitman, Michael Cross, and Phil Barker. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, and if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Um, and I have a returning guest on the show today. I have Travis. Say hi, Travis. Hi. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, what was the, the the last movie that you picked? Hackers. Hackers. That's right. Yeah. Yes. That was a fun episode. It was. It was. I had Y'all a, should I had go a back wonderful and listen to time. That. Absolutely. That movie After is. After you're done listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That movie is better than it has any right to be. Um, and I say that knowing full well that it's not good, but it's just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, Travis, if people haven't heard that episode, did you want to introduce yourself just a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, I do uh, a couple of shows. Um, my main show is called Wait You Haven't Seen. Um, and it is a podcast where I review a movie every week, but it's a movie that either my guest or sometimes myself have never seen before. Uh, so it's always a first time watch for somebody. And it's fun to kind of take, you know, take movies off of somebody's list of shame or somebody <laughs> bring me a movie that uh, I've never seen before. Um, and and I just love to talk about movies. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I also... Um, go episode by episode right now through uh, Highlander, the series. Oh, I remember um, you talking about that the last time you were on. Yeah. And that's been a ton of fun. And now it's getting more relevant as the uh, Highlander reboot or remake or whatever they're going to call it uh, is beginning to pick up steam. So yeah, that'll be pretty cool. So yeah, I just love to talk movies and TV and pop culture and you know, it's the stuff that I grew up on. Um, I, I was a child of the theater, so it's just, it's fun for me. Um, and I love showing people a new movie. Uh, I have a pretty good track record of, uh, really only one movie that I've made somebody watch so far that they just didn't like. Uh, <laughs> um, so. I, you had me on there one time and I think we talked about sunset Boulevard. Yes. 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 That was fantastic. I, 
can't believe I had not seen that before. Same. But that was a great movie. It was. It was just, it, you know, it's like you, you asked me, what haven't I seen? And I said, I, I picked that movie and you were like, me neither. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So, yeah, go yeah. listen to that show. But we are on this show currently. So, um, you know, my guest always picks the movie. Uh, what movie did you choose to talk about today? So I chose a movie from 1976 called Murder by Death. Um, it is written by Neil Simon. And uh, it. I refer to it when people, because it's one of those movies that a lot of people have never heard of, uh, let alone seen. Yeah, like and, they've heard of the band Murder by Death. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, most people I talk to nowadays are like, yeah, I thought that was a band. But um, when, when people ask me, well, Murder by Death, what is that? I, I tell them it's kind of like proto-Clue. I mean, it's I would say same, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's that yeah. same kind of dark haunted house or mystery house type movie where the whole thing takes place inside the house and that's it. Um, small cast, uh, but all star cast, uh, sort of a murder mystery. The thing I love about this particular movie is that it's, it is a spoof on murder mystery stories. Um, not necessarily just murder mystery movies. Uh, so True. all the characters are based off of um, literary characters, Agatha Christie characters and and whatnot um, are, are some of the main ones. And I just like the, the fact that it, it's a movie that it just is having fun. It's not taking itself seriously in any way. And the cast uh, is really quite impressive when you look at who they are and who they're playing for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are a few things about it that maybe haven't aged super great in the last 40 something years, um, (laughs) which I'm sure we're going to talk about, but on the whole, like it's just a fun movie. Uh, and, and I enjoy a movie that doesn't have to take itself too seriously. And that's, that's where the, the clue kind of, um, comparisons come in because that movie is much more, uh, famous and that same zany kind of style with the weird characters and some kind of a murder mystery that, there's no logic. None of it makes any sense. It's silly. <laughs> um, and that's what this movie does. It just did it 10 years earlier. Yeah. I, um, I think you mentioned like that you were listening to the knives out episode. Is that right? Yes. That made you think about this. And, uh, first of all, thanks for listening. <laughs> and then <laughs> secondly, um, you know, I agree with you. I think that if you like that movie and I feel like that's going to become like the next clue or we'll be saying in a few years, like, well, have you seen clue? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, true. Cause the older I get, the less people I talk to that have seen that movie too. Um, but yeah, this uh, you know, I saw this and I really do think it clue owes a ton to this movie. And so does knives out. You can definitely see the groundwork being laid there and I really you know enjoyed my first viewing of it yeah it's one of those I stumbled upon upon this movie I don't even remember how old I was or where I saw it because it wasn't it was pre-streaming services I want to say I might have even just been at my local library and saw the title murder by death and I was like okay why not I know some of the I know Peter Falk I know um, Peter Sellers I know uh you know this uh I think Eileen Brennan and I'm like uh, oh and Alec Guinness. And I saw those names. I was like, sure, why not? I'll check it out. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And I loved it right away. Like it was just, it, it grabbed me with the, the just insane nature of everything. And there's some great like wordplay. There's a, there's different types of humor. There's, there's some slapstick, there's physical comedy, but then there's also like really great, just jokes and moments and stuff that I notice when I, cause I've seen this movie now a few times 
And there's jokes that land better the more I watch it. Oh, yeah. I, I could totally see that. And um, before we go too much further, I do want to say this is not a spoiler-free show. <laughs> so I always recommend you guys pause here, go watch the movie, come back. But I'm going to read the synopsis really quick, and then we're going to kind of dive into some quick facts and, and talk about the film. Sure. Uh, so here we go. Uh, five diverse, infamous private eyes, including Sam Diamond, Sidney Wang, Jessica Marbles, um, are invited to a mysterious Lionel Twain's castle for a dinner party. There they are told that Twain plans an unsolvable murder in the house at midnight, and he'll pay a million dollars to the one who determines the killer. But when Twain's blind butler, Bensimum, dies long before the deadline, the stakes go up for the trap sleuths. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Um, I have a couple of quick facts that I want to list out before we dive in further. Uh, the first one I have is that all the detectives in this movie, as we mentioned earlier, are parodies of the work of three authors, uh, Dashiell Hammett, who's Nick Charles and Sam Spade were the basis for Dick Charleston and Sam Diamond, respectively, uh, Dame Agatha Christie, who's Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple inspired Milo uh, Perrier and Miss Marbles, Earl uh, Der Biggers, who whose Charlie Chan was the basis for the inspector, Sidney Wang and his son. Yes. Yep. And, and that's, that's the, uh, the kind of the crux of the whole thing, right? It's this, it's, it's just tongue in cheek, making fun of all of those, um, those characters, but not like in a, in a way that isn't punching down. Yeah. Uh, Like there's a reverence to the characters themselves, while still just kind of playing off the fact that it's ridiculous and they're ridiculous characters and concepts <laughs> um, that that kind of just got overplayed. And it's great. Um, I would say we might as well let this one out and just get this out of the way now. Um, Peter For Sellers sure. plays Inspector Sidney Wang. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidney Wang is a Chinese inspector uh, based off the character of Charlie Chan. Peter Sellers is not a Chinese man um, or Asian in any way. (laughs) So (laughs) it definitely, it is the one thing about this movie that, and there are some, um, there are some jokes that come off very uh, homophobic as well. And I, I feel like in, in both of these cases, there's an explanation. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that it justifies it, but there's a, I guess like there's a line of thinking back then that they had, Mm-hmm. that they thought justified it, I guess. Sure. And, and I think once you get that context, not that, again, not that it makes it okay and it definitely wouldn't be done today, but you're like, I see what they were trying to do. It just doesn't land today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for one, you know, Peter Sellers, were he alive today, I'm pretty sure he would be like, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But also at the same time, like, he was from a school of acting where you played a character. It didn't matter who the character was or what he, what, what the origin of that character was. That's, that's who he played. Now that's not necessarily that that's not a good thing per se. And it certainly doesn't excuse him playing a character like this, but this is also such an over the top caricature. Um, again, I I'm with you. I'm not condoning it and it certainly wouldn't happen today. And but 
it was it was a different era of filmmaking and different sensibilities about that at the time. Um, for for sure, yeah. I I did like, however, that the character of Willie, his adopted son, was played completely straight. And I think that's what they were. I think they were trying to make a statement with that because I think another, you know, we talked about these are based on certain characters. So I read an article today that was talking about the fact that Charlie Chan, the the character that Sidney Wang is based on, is also kind of an offensive stereotype. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of making fun of a stereotype, I think, is yes. what they were going for. Like, this is what, you know, Americans think Chinese people are like, and it's you know, unbelievably non-passable for being Chinese and ridiculous and over the top. And, you know, Peter Sellers, the stuff that they put on him to try to make him look, you know, Asian is offensive, but it's also um, really just ridiculous. Like, I think it's, you're meant to think this looks ridiculous. He sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Almost like making fun of making fun of that. Um, And then by having his son in the picture who doesn't have like a ridiculous accent, who doesn't present himself as anything but just Asian American and Mm -hmm. is smart and not a caricature. I think they're trying to say this is what Asian people are actually like. And then the Peter Sellers character is sort of like what's been done on screen and in books and is not correct. And I think people would they thought okay this is funny because it's peter sellers like you said i think his style of acting today it's it's almost like improv where it's like just really mm-hmm. over the top and like you know uh characters and so they're thinking like people will think this is funny and then we kind of have a get out of jail free card because his son is you know played normally um sure. and is actually asian but under today's lens, it's like, or you could not do that. <laughs> not also that very character. true. And, yeah. you know, I think back then, too, I feel like, and I, I said this to you earlier today, like, I think that people felt like, well, you know, uh, Peter Sellers has a French accent when he's, uh, you know, in the Pink Panther, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And like, they don't see like, I don't feel like they understood the huge difference between those two things back then and how much more punching down it is to portray um, an Asian person because of the way that Asian people were just often portrayed in media and treated in this country. And so it's very different, but I could see them believing that they were doing something that was quote unquote, okay. So yeah. it definitely like took me by surprise. I, I messaged you <laughs> earlier cause I hadn't seen this film before. And I was like, Oh no, he's going to do this the whole movie. Cause I think, you know, I'm, when, when you see something like this, it really automatically makes me think of like breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, what if the character from breakfast at Tiffany's was the main character and in the entire <laughs> movie, it's like, it makes it a lot harder to sit through. So I say all that to say, if, if this is like a breaking point for you, I understand, but I agree with you too, where you're saying that you also kind of have to put it in its time in the sense that unfortunately back then uh, they did not see the issue. Um, Right. You know, I don't think enough, there were not enough voices to tell them like, Hey, this is not a good idea. You know, I mean, and, and, and if there were, they weren't listened to. So a lot has changed since then, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. If that, if it's the type of thing, if it does bother you, number one, completely valid. I fully understand and, and back you on that. Um, 
and and if it is something where you can look at it as what it is because i do agree with you i think it was it was meant to be caricature of caricature yeah almost like making to, fun of the way americans viewed asian people and how off yeah and it is. and pointing out just how ridiculous that is yeah by having just the huge like he had false teeth he purposely spoke with no pro you know articles or prepositions they in fact there's several jokes about that in the movie yeah. um so yeah I, I do think that's what it was we're also not that far uh removed from john wayne playing uh genghis khan in a movie um, yeah, that wasn't I mean, that this... long before that. And that, that <laughs> one is quite a bit, uh, quite a bit different. Um, for sure. And I mean, I was thinking of watching this kind of trying to put it under a different lens. I was like, it kind of reminds me of like Tropic Thunder and Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Playing somebody who's playing a black person to make fun of the way Hollywood whitewashes. But, you know, I feel like that movie, as we get further away from it, people are are like, well, I get what you were trying to say, but I still don't love it. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I understand that, you know, because um, it's it, it's like, a, a, you know, something that I think changes over time. You know, it's like, well, I understand why they thought that was great then, but now we look at it under a different lens. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of, you know, I, I, I know we're spending a lot of time in this. Sorry, we'll get to the movie. Uh, I, you know, wrestle with these thoughts a lot about, you know, how to approach an issue like this, especially because, I mean, we talk about a lot of old movies on here and there's been a few that had controversial moments. True. And some people, you know, they really feel like they just can't watch these movies. And I get that. Um, but I also think that if you're a lover of classic cinema, that that doesn't make you that doesn't mean that you're unable to in, you know, see the difference. You know, you're kind of like, OK, I would not do this in this movie now. This is something I sort of have to overlook now. But mm -hmm. I would also argue that, like, even if you're not into classic films, you can pick a ton of movies from almost every era that have something like this in it that does not age well. And oh, sure. um like I kind of when I told you at first that I was like, oh, this is like, I don't know if I can handle this. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, I I liked Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, that's mm -hmm. got a lot of problems. I like Goonies. That has a ton of problems. Honestly, even Clue has a few problems. And sure. I love that movie, too. So it's kind of like I think it's something that it's OK to chat about. and It's OK to to think about and work through. And like you said, you're valid if, if it's something you can't. Can't, mm -hmm. you know sit through I, I get it but I think that you can still enjoy these films and put them in their context and absolutely I think that's okay to do um sure. and, and honestly when I read this about you know they're based on other characters and I read that article that I, I shared with you earlier today I was like mm -hmm. see this is framing it in such a way that I'm I'm understanding it a little bit better you know and it, yeah. it kind of reminds me of like Turner classic movies when they do the like little forward in the beginning and a lot of times they'll set up like what was going on in that time or what you might see in this movie that you might be like oh my gosh you know and I think that that kind of education it, honestly it just adds to the movie it doesn't take anything away from it because you know I want to learn more about it anyway um and context really does matter so yeah absolutely yeah um and and I agree completely with all of that so 
but it's important. It's important to talk about that. It's important to mention it because it is a large part of the film and it can be a breaking point for some people. And if you, if, if it is, and it's the type of thing that's going to really bother you, then by all means, don't watch the movie. Um, but you should, cause it's actually, it's, it's quite a hilarious movie. It is pretty um, funny. Um, the, the other fact that I had was, although that the atmosphere, you know, it's kind of, it, it gives like vintage vibes, right? Like 1930s, 1940s, certain mm-hmm. details in the story um, kind of imply that. But there are some things in the background. There are some dates that you see throughout the film that it's actually in the 70s. Yep. And that aesthetic of it kind of reminds me of like, of Knives Out, you know, of, oh, of Clue. Because it's like, well, a Clue may have been set in a specific time period, but you know, Knives Out, it's it's really now, but there are things about the movie that sort of evoke an older time. Sure. Yeah. In fact, this movie was, I mean, it was meant to look like an old 30s, 40s movie to the point where they built all the exteriors on a soundstage. Uh-huh. So instead of shooting an exterior at night out on a road somewhere, that was just a, a soundstage and they used old school techniques like the a big rotating background for the cars. So they would just rotate the background and kind of jostle the car around. <laughs> and that was it driving somewhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I love that the 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 look and the atmosphere of it, and it's just the like the movie begins right away, and it Im- immediately you get the tone of everything, uh, and it just goes it it cranks it up to ten and then up to eleven, and it just keeps making sillier and sillier things. I mean, I love stuff like the running gag of they walk into the house and then they look out the window and it's storming and raining and they look out the open door and there's nothing. (laughs) And later on he opens the window and it's actually raining on him. Uh, Like it, it's paid off. Well, there's, there's so many good jokes like that. And there's a lot of just really well-written humor in this too. I agree. And that, that brings me to like the last, I had one more fact I was wrong, but, um, Immediately after completing the movie, Peter Sellers was so convinced it was going to bomb, he actually convinced the producers to buy back his percentage share in the movie, which yeah. deprived him of a cut of the profits when it went on to become a hit. Yeah, and the movie, you know, like I say, it wasn't a, wasn't a blockbuster by any stretch, but it was enough of a hit that uh, yeah. he lost a little money there. Um, so, sure. you know, uh, but yeah, and outside of Peter Sellers, like, the cast is just crazy. Eileen Brennan is one I always liked because she was in Clue. So that was oh, cool yeah. to see her as, um, you know, playing a character in a similar movie eight or 10 years later or whatever it was. Um, so that was, that was kind of cool. But Truman Capote. Yeah. That, that and, surprised me again, because I hadn't <laughs> seen it before. I was like, Oh, <laughs> interesting. and I think it was only like one of two movies that he acted in uh, that where he wasn't yeah. just himself. Yeah. Um, I think that one in Annie Hall or, yeah. It, yep. right? Yeah. Um, James Coco, Peter Falk, Peter Falk is just, everybody is having a blast. And I think that's what that comes through in the movie. And that's really what elevates it. It's much like clue in that way where you can tell everybody's on set and having a good time, except one thing I did read, which was, um, Estelle Winwood, who played the nurse, um, Mrs. Withers, I think it was one of her last performances too. Yes, it was. Uh, but her and Elsa Lancaster, who was Jessica Marbles, apparently had a uh, a long standing feud. Uh, so their scenes were very tense to shoot on set, um, which is funny that they're playing opposite each other like that. But <laughs> they had great chemistry either way, and I loved that uh, 
like that pairing where she comes in and everybody assumes it's the old lady in the wheelchair that is, you know, Jessica Marbles. And no, that's the nurse. And Jessica's taking care of her now. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun, fun reveal. And Estelle Winwood was just great. Like, that's that's got to be such a fun type of character to play where you just get to sit there and make like one or two little zingers every so often. Definitely can... reminded me of the grandma in Knives Out. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, <Her> great grandma. <laughs> uh, David Niven and Maggie Smith as uh, Dick and Dora Charleston. Um, the play on Nick and Nora Charles. They were great. They had some of my favorite like they have some of the moments where it's when I watch it again, I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's even funnier now. Um, Maggie Smith just hamming it up and just having a blast. Uh, they're <laughs> the scene with them and Alec Guinness's Benson mom, as they're walking down the hallway and he's <laughs> explaining his name is just great because it's the movie making fun of itself at that point too. Right. Cause it's just this, I love wordplay humor like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's rapid fire. It, uh, that's one of the reasons why I love like a show like Psych so much because Psych has that same type of humor, and that always lands so well with me. And it's like they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And finally, uh, Dora's just like, "Okay, that's enough. I can't take anymore." <laughs> so yeah, for for me, you know, I, obviously the names that stick out to me are you know Maggie Smith that you mentioned, and I was telling you uh, what was winning me back to the to the light side was Peter <laughs> Falk because I watched so much, so much Columbo oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, which is kind of weird, but um, I guess my dad watched it. So I watched it and I just liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had already been Columbo for a while at this point. Right. Cause yeah, he'd been doing Columbo started. for a little bit, man. I'm looking at the years and did Columbo really run from 1971 to 2003? How is that possible? He, yeah, um, there was, there was Columbo stuff going on for a while. That's a um, really, really long time. I did not realize that. <laughs> because they would put out like an episode every couple of years at one point. Oh, okay. Okay. Was yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like seasons of the show from 71 oh, okay. to 2003. I was like, would be like, I don't remember that. <laughs> they got more or less turned into kind of TV movies after, okay, okay. after a while. Obviously you need to revisit it, but I just remember thinking of it fondly um but yeah and the the director uh robert moore i think was this this was like his first movie i think before this he directed uh rhoda right the show rhoda. yeah yep mm-hmm. this was his first uh film and he went on to work uh on another neil diamond written one the cheap detective starring peter falk um mm-hmm. the next or two years later i think um and that one is one I haven't seen, but I watched the trailer for it. And now I kind of want to, cause it's the same. It's almost a more zany version of this kind of humor. Yeah. And, so. and, and to kind of, I guess, play off that a little bit, the, the writer, Neil Simon, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm most familiar with like the odd couple, obviously. Yeah. And, and this, the, the, the humor in this movie very much feels like that, you know, a lot Absolutely. of, a lot of dry zingers and yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and it's just great to get, uh, actors of some of this caliber, like Alec Guinness playing just the most ridiculous character possible (laughs) and just owning it, just going all out. And then you've got, uh, um, Nancy Walker as the maid as Yetta 
And those were, that was where you got a lot of that physical humor, right? Cause you got her, she's, she's deaf and mute and you've got a blind Butler, so they can't communicate at all. And they're the only staff in the house. Um, <laughs> and just Alec Guinness was just having a great time. And he has, what I love about it is he gets to play like, ends up playing like a, a half a dozen different characters because that one scene, he goes through transformations like four times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is the most ridiculous thing. Uh, this is like a year before Star Wars, right? Yeah. Uh, rumor was actually he got the script for Star Wars was kind of brought to him while he was working on this. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And he's he's so much fun. Plus, what a wonderful name. James Sir Benson Mum. <laughs> like, it's just so silly. Uh, it's very and, silly. It's like made up British name. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he, he, he plays it so well. Like he mm -hmm. does, it's that dry delivery that works where the delivery of everything is earnest. What he's saying is re beyond ridiculous. And so it just plays so well. I totally um, agree. And yeah, and, and that's what everybody does. That's the great thing is it's all done with this wink and a nod, but it's like, it's delivered earnestly. Peter Falk is being sam diamond and he's already been doing columbo so it's just take columbo and crank it up and do the hard yeah, detective columbo thing plus i think bogart right yes uh, oh a totally. lot of and and i think you you talked earlier about how there's some homophobic stuff which by the way there is in clue as well and i think it's mm -hmm. for the same reasons but because he's playing this sort of ultra 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 male machismo hard-boiled detective i feel like at the time they were like wouldn't that be funny if he's putting on this face of being so macho and then you know he's gay essentially yeah. um and so i think they were sort of making fun of um that archetype a little bit but these days you're like well it's still kind of punching down because well number one you later find out that he's not gay which it reminds me of again in clue when he's like i'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife yeah. It's like they couldn't even have that in there. Like at the very end, they're like, by the way, I'm also not gay. It's like, what? Yeah. Who cares? But I mean, we're looking at it through our lens. And I think back then it would have been so controversial that they almost have to take it back, you know? Um, so I, I could totally see that part being offensive. But I also think it's like, it's more making fun of the detectives and how ridiculous oh. those characters are. Like also him Definitely. like constantly turning her down is like, <laughs> A thing in like those movies, I've yep. <laughs> there was an SNL skit a couple years ago, and I think I think it was J.K. Simmons plays Bogart, and no, no, you know what? I'm thinking of a different skit. It was with I, I think it was with um, a different guy, but uh, you know, someone's trying to kiss him, and he's just doesn't do anything, and they try to kiss him over and over, and he's just standing there, and he's playing Bogart, and it's like that that is kind of that was like a sort of a thing you know yeah of him like rejecting women and how like it's like the manliest thing you can do for some reason i <laughs> guess i don't then. know so I, it's kind of like you have to kind of have that background to understand that character yeah know? and i i think if again if this movie didn't immediately tell you it's not taking anything seriously at all true i could really get <laughs> upset with it but the movie isn't being serious. It's not taking anything serious. It's poking fun at these ridiculous stereotypes. And then it throws in something similar to the Sidney Wang character and his son being just com played completely down the line. Uh, Sam Diamond is played this way, but then he has that one line where he's like, look, I never did anything with a man I wouldn't do with a woman. 
And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're okay. like, well, wait a minute. Um, so, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's also kind of like, I think they also put that in there to just, like, a lot of these characters have to have, like, this ridiculous scandal that comes out, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that would have been a scandal at the time. Um, oh, sure. In Clue, there's a problematic scandal where, and I, I never even thought about this watching Clue, but uh, when Jordan was on, he was like, you know, the character that Christopher Lloyd's playing, he's essentially playing, like, a rapist and i was like oh yeah i yeah, which... never thought about that like what and he was like yeah and he, and and he's likable and i'm like oh mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. yeah again I it's mean... where you have like these rose-colored lenses on that you're like i i still like the movie i love christopher <laughs> lloyd but yeah they wouldn't do that today <laughs> no like, no nice. not at all nope so that's, that's a product of its time for sure yeah and, but, and, it, and that's what yeah. they did here Exactly. So, it's like, it's meant to be like a, you know, scandalous secret that someone has that they're trying to push down. Yeah. Um, and so there's, you know, a lot of reveals and they get more and more and more absurd. Um, you know, he reveals that he's that way. And then he reveals that actually he's not that way. And actually his name's something else. And then he comes back and he's like, I'm Sam again. You know, it's like, yeah. it's meant to be silly, <laughs> like not taken seriously. Well, and that's the other part of it that I love is not only is it parodying and making fun of these individual characters so you got your sam spade you've got your poirot you've got you know all of that and they're perrier yeah perrier (laughs) they're making fun of all of those characters but then on top of that they they have this ridiculous scene at the end that is every one of those characters ridiculous tropes that ends a book and then make fun of all of that and call it all out which i loved like the you can't just you know, introduce a new character right at the end who hasn't been in the book before or do this or do that. Like you can't do that. And I love that because I, I am unabashedly a lover of murder mysteries. There's just something fun about them, but it's true, especially those older ones. It's true. They were just silly and got, got to a point of, of, of self parody. So this was just taking it to a next level. Um, There's actually a deleted scene and apparent, I never saw this on TV, so I don't, I can't confirm this, but what I read was in the TV cut of it, they added this in at the end of the movie, as they're all leaving, um, Sydney and Willie are driving and they see this older car, this old vintage car driving up and it's Sherlock Holmes and Watson and they're heading towards the house and they <laughs> ask him for directions to, uh, to, uh, Lionel Twain's house for dinner. And Sydney or Willie's trying to, to be like, Oh, you don't want to go there. And Sydney, you know, he shuts him up and tells him where the house is. And as they're leaving, he's like, let the idiots find out for themselves. That's and funny. That, I, I found that on, uh, on YouTube and watch it. it is, it is pretty funny. That's, that's um, good. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, when you're talking about like the tropes on top of tropes and like constant <laughs> reveals, I know I need to stop talking about this. I actually talked about this in another episode, but <laughs> do you watch Rick and Morty? I have seen some of it, but I'm not like a regular watcher. Well, there, there there is an episode. I just finished the fourth season, so it's fresh in my brain, but (laughs) there is an episode that I just can't get out of my mind that I thought was hysterical. And it was making fun of heist movies Mm -hmm. and how like heist movies really are actually ridiculous and how, you know, there's a twist after twist, after twist, after twist in, in getting the people to not, um, 
you know, to not, their plan doesn't go well because things, oh, I double-crossed you. And then, oh, you double-crossed yep. me. And like, they kind of make fun of that a little bit. And um, I th- <laughs> I kept thinking about that in this movie when they kept like revealing more and more and more. And it, it's a comedy, so they're doing that on purpose. But it, it does make you think about genres that you even like. Like, I like heist movies, but I was yep. laughing really hard at the fact that, oh. you know, Rick's saying that they're stupid. I'm like, I guess they are. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I love them. And so I, I like being able to laugh at it. And and so I thought that that part was it kind of happened in Clue, but I think they amped it. They cranked it up to like an 11 in this one. And I really appreciate the constant surprise reveals. I, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, Clue, what Clue did that I really liked was Clue took that idea and they made uh, an interesting stylistic choice in having the multiple endings. Yes. And yes. I really wish I could have been able to see that in theaters because it would have been kind of interesting to like if the internet uh, was alive when um in its in a form like it is now when clue came out in theaters how interesting would those conversations be where you went to a theater and you saw one ending and someone else saw a completely different ending because originally it was only one ending at a time and different theaters got different versions of it i think that wound up hurting it though i will definitely did because the, the downside to that is if you don't know that then you're just like okay and then like everyone saw a different movie um so i i I, that is really interesting and i would like to have that experience but then i'm also like i don't know like part of what makes me love that movie so much is the multiple choice ending oh for (laughs) no it's definitely the best version of it it just it it's an interesting thought experiment to be like for sure what would that be like but what i and this movie just went the opposite, which is we're just going to pack all the endings in at once. It's and just funny. Yeah. It's just so great. It, it It's great because you get, even if you've never seen it before, you kind of sense that coming the second, uh, you know, like the movie isn't trying to hoodwink you. It's not trying to trick you. Um, right. There's no real all. mystery. It's more like just jokes. Bits. Yeah. yeah. And they just keep, peeling them back and peeling them back until finally like the ultimate one at the end, which is that it was the maid all along. Um, <laughs> and you know, it was, uh, it, not Rhoda, it was Rhoda's sister. Um, cause, uh, Nancy Walker was, um, was, uh, Ida in Rhoda. Oh yeah. Um, but I like that. Like, it's just, I, it's fun. It's a fun movie. And that, that needs to, you need to have those. Not every movie yeah. has to tell a story, like has to uh, have a message to it. Um, you know, you mentioned heist movies. I love heist movies, but it's true they're they're dumb, and there's always some weird. Like, I love the Ocean's films, but come on, you got to suspend a lot of disbelief to to watch those. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're just they're ensemble fun cast movies. I yeah. mean, we, I, I was I mentioned you know uh, Army of the Dead, which is also a heist movie. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they're just fun. I mean, you just, you, you get a lot of caricatures of people yeah. like in this film and they're entertaining and that's about it. And I think this does that really well. Some of the bits are like so over the top, uh, especially like, I think it's the, was it the maid or the cook that's like, oh, actually they weren't even a real person. And you're like, yeah, Come on. yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. He, he's holding up the clearly plastic arm and he opens up the case and it's a, it's a fake person. Um, I love that. Like the, the silliness. It's funny. Cause this movie is only like an hour and a half long. Um, yeah. I think it's an hour and 35 minutes. It's a nice, uh, tightly scripted paced really well where 
it's it's quick it doesn't but it also doesn't feel like it's a short movie right Um, right right and that's where like again you can kind of see where this movie was a big influence on ryan johnson when he was writing knives out for sure and that this and clue and kind of it's an knives out is the evolution of what this kind of thing started just take it polish it a little bit play it a little more straight um, in terms of like, it's not going to be zany and completely off the wall, but we're going to, we're going to round those edges off a little. Yeah. You got to go with the comedy of the time, I think. And yeah. oh, we're for getting sure. further away from like these Agatha Christie type films too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if they lean too heavily into that, if people would even have a big reference point for, for those kind of films. I mean, I know Probably the Murder not. in the Orient Express had a reboot and I think Brennan's thinking about doing more or is already, I think there's another one coming out soon. Um, but, uh, which did I, you I see that by the way? Did you? I did. Yeah. Cause I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed but, it too. I again, mean, I, it wasn't I like, like amazing, but no. I appreciated it. And I was like, I wouldn't be mad if there were more of these. Like if you keep making more, I'll keep seeing them. Yeah. I love a good ensemble cast that, that works well together. And that was one, that's what made knives out work is that the cast, that's what makes this movie work. If the cast, yeah. If the cast isn't uh, as stellar as it is here and everybody's not on their game and having fun, have fun with what you're doing. Um, I think one of the other trivia bits I read was members of the cast or, or crew or somebody were like, boy, if, if the people watching this movie in the theater laugh half as much as we did while we were making it, we have a hit on our hands nice. type of thing. And like, <laughs> I love that, you know, because you are playing silly characters. I mean, David Niven as Dick Charleston is completely out of nowhere, but. I loved it. He, he just, he owned it. Um, it was, I, oh, by the way, shout out to James Cromwell for wearing the nice lacy, uh, you know, sheer black nightgown thing that he had on. Cause that <laughs> yeah. was him and his long, long legs. Cause that dude is like six foot six. Oh, wow. I mean, he's, he is a big, tall dude. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. And the other thing too is it's it's a small cast. You literally, I mean, everybody in the cast fits in one page on IMDb. They don't have you don't have to do the full cast and expand to see anybody else because that's all they needed. They didn't need any other people to make this. They shot it on a stage, so that keeps the cost down, which makes a movie like this something that can be really profitable too. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, that's the youngest I've ever seen James Cromwell. In fact, I think it was his first movie, right? Yeah, he had done some TV, I think, beforehand, but it's definitely the youngest. It, yeah, it was like his first or second movie. And he, again, he's doing a ridiculous accent. But then I love the humor of he's doing he's French and doing that French accent or Belgian or whatever. You've got Perrier, who is Belgian, who has an accent, but he makes fun of the French accent that James Cromwell is doing. At one point telling him, yeah. I t- don't ever talk to me with an accent. <laughs> like yeah. because he he's saying things like I feel it in my bones but it comes out sounding like buns and of course Perrier just wants food all the time that's all he's thinking about so he hears the word bun <laughs> oh I love that like that that is the type of humor that I just tickles me when it's that silly two French two two men with French accents and one of them is like don't talk about the accent or the the toupee <laughs> joke was great too yes where, yeah <laughs> of course I wear a toupee they all know I didn't know that you did. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I get the problems that some people can see with the movie, especially in the surface level. If you don't watch it 
and you just hear about it. Like you hear, yes. oh, Peter Sellers plays a Chinese detective. Like that's, but there's you just like hear a that you're going to cringe. Bond movie where he pretends to be Japanese for like half the movie. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, Sean Connery doesn't pass as Japanese whatsoever. No, so, so like. Think of it from that background of like a lot of movies, unfortunately, did this. And there was like a a fascination around, I think, Asian culture at this time, too. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of coming into Hollywood more, but probably not in the best way. Um, no. <laughs> but yeah, like I think if you have that background of like, just so you know, this is by far, you know, the not the only example of that in old (laughs) movies so you kind of have to know that going into i mean um again like you said earlier i understand but at the same time it's like well i you know i've had people tell me that they were uncomfortable with certain aspects of blade runner and they can't watch it and i'm like okay that's you know i'm just sitting here like oh my gosh it's like one of my favorite movies ever (laughs) okay that's fine (laughs) you know so it's like it, it is sort of like you, like you keep saying it's, it's context for sure. <laughs> yeah. Context matters. And I think yeah. if this were, if this were not a movie that was made to be beyond a 12 and the one to 10 scale of ridiculous, then yeah. it would definitely be something that I would probably not watch anymore. But because well, yeah, of the context like, of it, well, you know what to do. And I mean, this yeah. is something that happens to comedy, right? Comedy is really, influenced by society by what mm-hmm. it's observational humor a lot of times so what's funny at the time is what's observed at the time so yeah. that's why you know when people say things like oh blazing saddles could have never been made today you're right that movie was made for racism in the 70s uh mm-hmm. it is 2021 so that would be a very different movie now because we're different now um yes. and so comedy does change and evolve and that's why sometimes when you go back in the way back machine and I feel like it's, it is a darker and more, I don't know if I should say more real, but it, it is definitely not sugarcoated look at the way society thought back then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's what comedy does is sort of put on screen, like what we're all thinking. And so that's why sometimes when you watch an older movie, it doesn't age well because the way that people thought that back then was different than now. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully and that rambling makes sense, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you get, you get the same thing in, in the written word and in, in literary. Yeah, works, exactly. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you read, uh, Lovecraft, for instance, I mean, Oh, for sure. You know, I get the Lovecraft Christie, actually. Was, Agatha, yeah. Agatha Christie too. <laughs> like they weren't, they didn't have great progressive views, but you can, you can kind of, I don't, it's, it's not condoning or it's not like dismissive of that because that is part of it mm-hmm. but there are other things to take from it so right and yeah, like you I mean, can update them like we just talked about murder on the orient express like the way that they kind of tried to deal with some of her honestly just flat out xenophobic things that she put yep. in her writing they altered some of the characters to be from different backgrounds and to make sure that you know things were presented in a different way she still wrote great mysteries we just don't love that part of it right exactly so it's like and and the further back you go i mean honestly the worse it gets so sometimes these things need to be updated and i think that if they made a murder by death movie today it would be hysterical and they would just change a few things so yeah oh yeah yeah you would you would change things around and uh and update it and have it be more reflective of the time Mm -hmm. and that's fine that's progressive 
I mean, progressing where we should yeah. be progressing and evolving as a species. And that's what we're doing. But you also can't forget the past. Yeah. You don't want to like happened. put people necessarily under the exact same lens mm-hmm. uh, that you view things. And, and I think there's a way to kind of, to do both, you know, to, yes. to sort of look at the things that you would like to be different, but also not be like, well, I can't watch any movie pre 1980 or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, cause honestly, that's what it would probably take because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, oh, again, yeah. I've, I, I've, I've even had friends be like, Oh, I'm watching this movie from the sixties. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I like that one. And then they're like, Oh my gosh, this is very <laughs> sexist. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's the sixties. You know? right. <laughs> so you kind of have to know that going in. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but you know, honestly, a lot of times, maybe not in this film so much, but in a lot of movies, they're actually sometimes more progressive than the times. And so even some of the things that we think of as like, this wasn't progressive enough. I'm like, well, but for the time it was like leaps and bounds, you know? Yeah. So again, uh, learning a little bit about what was happening at that time and learning a little bit about, um, the thought process and, and writing it and things like that can kind of help you contextualize stuff better for sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I do think if you like murder mystery and you like, uh, comedy um, yeah. at all, this is worth seeing. It's worth, it's worth so finding. Too. It's a cheap one to rent. Um, you yeah, don't have to be like, like me and buy it, but, um, but as a rental, check it out. It's like I said, it's an hour and a half long. You're, you're not making a huge time investment and, <laughs> Yeah, and you get to see a young Maggie Smith who doesn't want to see that. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to complain about that <laughs> one bit. So cool. Um, okay, well, uh, do you feel like we covered every scene, every everything in the film that you were that you had on your list? I mean, I think so. I loved the ideas of like how the house is set up and everything is mm-hmm. is a ruse, and they're immediately noticing all that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whether it's the the outright like oh there are foot you know there are are marks outlined for their shoes on the front <laughs> step where they're where they need to be standing so the statue will fall on them, down yes. to like Dick and Dora going into their room and it's covered in cobwebs and they have the whole big long kind of build up to this is where Mrs. Twain killed herself. Um, oh yeah, that that I killed herself line is really funny. Yes, uh, that that where she was murdered by herself and they're like, what you mean suicide? No, no, no. It was definitely murder. She hated herself. Like, <laughs> That's very funny. And then they open it up and it's just covered in cobwebs and they're they're freaking out by it. And I love that where once once Dickie figures it out and he's like, Oh, this is baking flour and it's 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 uh, you know, um cotton candy for the for everything. The mouse is probably fake too, and he picks up the mouse, he's like, Oh, no, that's real. Um like it's just oh, it's so good. there's so much to enjoy about this movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it has it has a lot of joy to it. There isn't like none of the the jokes and none of the humor in it is mean spirited. And I think that is something that is very much uh, a product of like seventies humor, um, I agree. like sl- zany humor like that. Like this kind of movie, there's no there's no mean spirited jokes that uh, unfortunately I do see in more more in a modern comedy. It's not as cynical maybe is, is the thing. It's not a cynical type of comedy. I agree. And I, I very much appreciate that. So yeah. Yeah. Watch the movie. You'll like it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this is a classic film that 
maybe not everyone has seen, but it's certainly on a lot of lists. Like I, I saw mm-hmm. a list earlier today that was like, if you like Knives Out, watch X, Y, and Z. And this oh, was yeah. on there uh, because it is sort of like the forerunner for those other films. So, you know, um, that's a really good reason to check it out. It, it is mm-hmm. a classic film. And um, yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again. Uh, if you had to summarize in like a sentence or two, why you've seen this movie so many times, what what would that be? Uh, it would probably be Obi-Wan Kenobi hamming it up. <laughs> I like that. That's a pretty good sell too. Is that also your, your pitch for the movie? Like, uh, oftentimes. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> if you it basically, if you want to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi and, um, and Columbo, uh, and, um, uh, what's it? Professor McGonagall, uh, in the same movie. There you, you go. go. They're all yeah, there. that's a really good sell. That's that's a good sell. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about a lot. I think I, I want to thank you for being willing to tackle that aspect of the movie, because I know that's tough when you really love a film, but you know, it has some problems that can be hard to talk about, you know, because um, you don't we don't want to like come down really hard on a movie that you love. Um, but I, I'm glad that you were open to having that conversation. Um, I know I feel like I am too with movies that I love and people point out things I go, yeah, uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, so that is an, an, an aspect to watching older films, but as with this film, I do think that could be a hurdle for some, but mm-hmm. if you're able to overlook that and sort of contextualize it with some of the stuff we talked about um, behind the, the whys of why that character is the way that they are. Um, I think that it's a really funny movie and it's got a wonderful cast. Um, Despite this portrayal, I really like Peter Sellers too because I love the Pink Panther movies. <laughs> so, I do too, and and yeah. again, I I kind of I really feel like if if he were alive in an era like we are now, and and things had progressed the way that they were, I I feel like he would have come to a point where he's like, you know what, yeah, some of this probably doesn't work as well, but it was a different era, and I should have been better, and I would be now. Yeah, I mean, think Um, about like Hank Azaria being a poo, you know? Yeah. And he kind of went on a journey of being really defensive about that Mm -hmm. portrayal and then eventually being like, you know what? I get it now. (laughs) And you got to respect that. Sometimes it takes people a while to get there. Again, they're influenced by their time and what they were hired to do. Um, And yeah, I I agree. I think you'd probably look back and say, you know what? That was a miss. Uh, would yeah. not do that today. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. it's like uh, Fisher Stevens and Ben from Short Circuit. Like it's the same type yeah. of thing. He he went through a similar journey to Hank Azaria, where he eventually got to a point. He's like, look, it shouldn't have happened. It did. I don't. Uh, he he has said that he he wouldn't do it today. You couldn't do it today, but he also uh, understands what it was at the time. So. I can completely get if it's if it's too much for somebody um, and they don't like that. But if you can contextualize it enough to be like, okay, yes, this shouldn't have happened, but everything around it is done because it's it it doesn't feel like it's done out of malice. Now I'm saying that as a soon to be forty year old white man, so I'm probably less qualified to talk about this portrayal than most people, but. Um, I do think that it's important to think about things in that way. And the conversations are the important part. I am always willing to have a conversation 
uh, about something like that and, and yeah, why it does and doesn't that. work. And if somebody wants to bring to me reasons why it doesn't work, I will listen to them and I will, uh, I will definitely have that conversation. So, and then having said all that, watch, watch uh, Murder by Death because yes. you'll laugh. Yes. You'll laugh quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Travis, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was really fun. fun to talk about this. Um, and, you know, I hope that people go and check this out and enjoy it. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, easiest way to find me is I'm TV's Travis basically everywhere. Uh, TVS Travis. Twitter I'm really active on. Um, and then TVSTravis.com you can find uh, the Wait You Haven't Seen um, feed. Uh, the Highlander Show, um, just search for Let's Watch Highlander. Um, and I've actually just started a new show I'm co-hosting called Side Quests, where uh, two friends of mine and I are doing a different weekly challenge. Uh, we run for about eight week seasons and um, we'll do things like this week we are uh, doing a culinary world tour where we're, we're stepping out of our comfort zones and cooking a few meals this week with uh, recipes from cuisines and countries that we've never made before. Ooh, that sounds really um, fun. So that's that's a fun one too. That's called Side Quests. Um, you can find that at twodorks.net, uh, I believe is where that that one is uh, easy to find. So that's a, that's a fun one too. But yeah, TV's Travis everywhere. Um, I'm going to probably start using things like, uh, I, what's the one the kids are into now? The TikTok? Uh, <laughs> oh I think. man, I'm so bad at that. I made an account, but I, I guess maybe it's because I work from home, but every single day I'm like, well, I'm already in my PJs. Uh <laughs> I don't want I'm people actually, to see me like this. <laughs> so yeah, I'm using the yeah, I'm using the side quest show as a as a means to maybe oh, start doing idea. something like TikTok because I work from home as well. So it's like great, I can make TikToks of me sitting at my desk for the 14th day in a row. This is not entertaining at all. But now that I've got these kind of challenge things that I've got to do every week, it gives me something new to sh to to work with. So yeah, um, I think as I get out more. You know, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it, that'll make a difference. It'll too. make a difference. But yeah, it's like I put on, you know, makeup and a nice outfit when I'm going to be on a Zoom call. And that's about it. <laughs> so it's Well, like... that's more than I do. So. <laughs> well, yeah, different, different jobs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just don't turn my camera on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's getting to be more and more that way. That may be another reason why they coax us back into the office. <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm like, okay, True. we haven't seen you in a few months. Are you okay? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of weight you haven't seen, you're going to be coming back on soon. Yeah, um, I am. I'm going to. You, so on. you actually inspired two episodes. Oh. I just want you to know. Um, the one that you're coming up for, which is The Crow, because you mentioned in talking about Dark City that you had never actually watched The Crow all the Isn't way Isn't that wild? Which is very wild, <laughs> given given that, that entire episode, you talked about how much you love Dark City, and then you say, but I've never seen The Crow. And I was, I was actually out walking, uh, doing a trail hike while I was listening to it, and I immediately pulled my phone out to make myself a note to get a hold of you. Um, I appreciate that. But you also inspired me to cover Dark City a couple of oh, weeks good. ago. So I got somebody to just watch oh, I that. I need to listen to that. Because I love that. I oh, love that, that movie, movie so, so much. good. I can't get enough. Like, I can't. I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, and I definitely am a fan of the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that, because I didn't see it initially. Um, I saw it a couple years later, and I realized that the first time I saw it was the director's cut. 
So I got kind of lucky that way. I think the first time way. I saw it was with the was with the narration, but the director's cut's way better, way better. Absolutely. And that's not Absolutely. always the case. Sometimes with some movies, I'm like, well, it's a little, a little long. But with this movie, I think it, it it's kind of like I think we said it, it's kind of like. Um, What's that movie? Man, my memory tonight is has been bad. But um, <laughs> the Rabbit, Time Travel, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Donnie Darko. Uh, yeah, Donnie Darko is like that. Where it's like well, the movie gibberish. The director's cut, bueno, very good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Much like uh, Blade Runner, you brought yeah. that up earlier, and that's yeah. the same way. Where, like. Treat your audience with some respect. And <laughs> filmmakers filmmakers want to do that. It's usually studios that don't. Exactly. Although with that one, I like the director's cut, not the final cut. Picky, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are some slight differences there. Yeah. That's true. The final cut, I felt like, took it a little too far. Like, bring <laughs> it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, but still, but yeah, so all, all good. You, your uh, your recent episode on Dark City inspired two oh. different episodes of my show. In well, the, thank you so much, up, and thank so. you for coming on, and again for letting me be like, we got to talk about certain things about this movie, but I still want to talk about it. And so, thank you sure, so much absolutely. for being open. Please don't be discouraged from picking other films. Uh, you know, not at all. We'll, no, we'll, I I I had a great time. I I enjoy. I love your show. So oh, it's it's you. always fun to come on and talk because. What I like about your show is you're like me where it, I like just about everything. It's it's hard for me to not like a movie. I just recently covered The Last Airbender. Oh, um, my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I have I have done 116 episodes of my show at this point. Um, 114 of the 116 movies I would gladly watch right now. Uh, the Last Airbender, not one of those. Um, that movie is <laughs> not good. I saw a movie like that recently where I was like, almost tearing my hair out. And I admitted in the Patreon that I hated it, um, but it's rare. Like I'm very tolerant of most movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I can almost always find something that I enjoy in a movie. And there was one thing I liked about uh, last airbender and that was the music. The music was great. Everything else about that movie is not worth watching, but <laughs> I, that's, that's what I like about your show is, is just celebrating and enjoying a movie. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, there's so much out there and it mentally exhausts me. I always tell the story of like, there was a, there was a show I used to listen to and the two um, co-hosts would just argue with each other and get really ugly and like personal when they would like mm -hmm. talk about a movie. And my husband would be like, can you just turn it off? <laughs> or he was like, can you put your headphones in? I just, I can't listen to it anymore. And I was like, you know what? I actually feel the same way, but I've just been drudging through it. And I realized like, I would rather listen to people talk about something they like. Like I love, you know, that show, um, how did this get made? Because they'll pick on a movie, but in like the most loving and hilarious way. And then mm -hmm. they always at the end, make sure to be like, here's everything I liked about it. And so I have fun listening to it. Um, oh, absolutely. you know, and, and you um, should have fun listening to podcasts. I think film sack is another great movie discussion podcast. Oh, if you haven't listened that to that one. And uh, that's been going, there's like 500 plus episodes of it. Oh, so you've cool. got a long back catalog. They've been doing it for 11 or 12 years now. But what I like about that show is they watch some crap. I mean, they watch some <laughs> bad movies, but the movie has to be what they consider to be sackable. And so it could be a decent movie. And a lot of times they enjoy it, or even if they don't like it, they still can talk about it in a way that isn't just this is dumb and blah, blah, blah. No, they don't do that. They, and, and I appreciate that because even a bad movie 
um, hackers is <laughs> hackers is bad, but it's great. It's great because it's a, it's, it's not a, a, uh, a wonderful narrative. It's just fun. It's entertainment. And that's what movies are supposed to be at the end of the day is entertainment. Yeah. So whether it's, whether it's the goofiness of a murder by death or get, you know, give me some Godzilla versus Kong. I, I had a great time with that movie and that's dumber than a bag of hammers, <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so. I, I had somebody on recently that was like, I'm not an expert. I'm like, oh, well, if the requirement <laughs> for this show is to be an expert, I should shut it down because I am not an expert. But I don't think you have to be, a, a, you kind of are an expert about certain movies if you've seen them enough. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's what's important is just being able to enjoy them and share them and make it, make make cinema accessible to people. You know, I cringe. You talked about TikTok earlier. When I see TikToks that are like, you know, uh, film majors and they pick on people that are like, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction and, uh, you know, Citizen Kane. And I'm like, I, I, I agree with the sentiment, but those are good movies. But I think when people are too judgmental and too insistent, they can drive people away that maybe want to be a part of the conversation. And that's why mm -hmm. it turns into jokes about how dumb those movies are. So yeah, I, thank you. I, I appreciate you for saying that. And, and I always hope that people come and listen and, you know, have a good time and, and feel safe, like talking about the movies that they like. Sure. Absolutely. If you love the 1995 Mortal Kombat, love that movie. That's mm -hmm. great. I have yeah. no problem with that. No problem. Uh, and if your favorite movie ever is Schindler's List, that's fine because it's a fantastic movie, but man, is it tough to watch. <laughs> so it, it is, you know that's that's the beauty of film and cinema and entertainment is that it can be all those different things. Yeah, 100%. Well, Travis, thank you so much. This has been such a great discussion and I hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Anytime you want. Anytime you want.